Good morning. It's so wonderful to be here together with you this morning. Thank you all for being here. And uh, we're so very glad to have those of you visiting with us. It's a blessing to have you here with us. We want you to know you're always welcome. And uh, we're very thankful to have those who are joining us online today. We appreciate your presence and we want you to know we are always here for you. In any way we can serve you, please let us know. You know, I was thinking after our fifth Sunday fellowship meal last week and looking around and seeing how everybody enjoyed the food, that this week we ought to talk about gluttony. <laughs> so, so I've read a story about, I'm kidding about that, this was planned, but uh, it kind of came at just the right time, didn't it? It's better maybe to come after than before. You wouldn't eat anything, would have had too many leftovers. I read a story about a Food Network star and famous chef, Chris Cosentino, that at one point he came up with his own line of pants and he called them gluttony pants. And that's a picture of them there and they have three different buttons in there. So as you're engorging yourself at your holiday meal or fifth Sunday fellowship meal or sometime like that, as needed, you can just go to the next button and you've got, you've got you know, two more to go to and uh, you can expand the waistline as needed. What comes to mind, what image comes to your mind when you hear the word gluttony? Maybe you think of... Uh, some person or something in a movie or a cartoon or an image that you've seen. Uh, maybe you think of uh, the, the, the Catholic Church has the seven deadly sins and gluttony is one of them in the uh, list that they have uh, was put together centuries ago. So think about that word gluttony. And then what does that word really mean? Do we, do we really know what that word means in the Bible? It probably is used in different ways, and we use it in different ways in, in culture and over time. But what does the Bible say about that subject? And that's what we're wanting to do in this series, is to ask a question and then see what God's Word has to say about that subject. So we typically think of church fellowships and and, and getting all something from everybody that brought something and piling the plate high and going back for seconds or maybe thirds. And, and, and most importantly, to the dessert line, right? And as Lel Stripling taught us, you're supposed to do that first. But we're just too polite and we get the, the other food first. We should get the dessert first. I believe in her philosophy there. We might also think of restaurants like Golden Corral, whose very name is all about corralling the herds of people in here, stick them up to the feeder, and just let them fill themselves to capacity until we have to roll them out the door and make room for more herds to come in. The, the name is perfect. It's perfect for our, our culture. Corral all the people in and charge them a one, one, <laughs> one fee and they can just eat all they want, right? It's perfect. We think about those kinds of things when we think about the word gluttony. But let's think about what, what is it and what, what about health and gluttony? What does the Bible say? What is it we need to understand from Scripture about health and gluttony? 
What do we need to learn from God's Word? So let's look at a couple of definitions. In the Hebrew, the Old Old Testament, the word zalal was used for gluttony. So when you see that in the Old Testament, that's what it was. And it means to shake, to be loose morally, to be lavish, a squanderer. It describes someone who lives life unrestrained. So as soon as we start understanding the definition, we start realizing that this is a little more broad than what I maybe thought it was when we think, typically think of the word gluttony. And the word squander, the idea of somebody being a squanderer, might make us think of a famous story from the New Testament. In Luke 15, when Jesus talked about the prodigal son. And do you remember that uh, the son in that parable He demanded his inheritance early before his father passed away. And what does Luke say? He went and squandered his wealth, his inheritance. Now, uh, his in reckless living is what Luke says. Some translations say wasteful living. The word prodigal, the whole idea of prodigal, the reason we call him the prodigal son is because the word prodigal is, it means reckless or wasteful, wild living. That's what prodigal means. It's wasteful, extravagant living. And that's exactly what that guy did, isn't it? He lived as a glutton with his inheritance that he had until he wasted it all. In the Greek, there's a couple of words used that mean uh, things like an eater to consume, be lazy, and even belly. And we're going to look at that or stomach, depending on your translation. But look at what the Proverbs, this author, this the Proverbs says in Proverbs 23, 20 and 21. Be not among drunkards or among gluttonous eaters of meat. For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty, and slumber will clothe them with rags. So it's interesting because we see gluttony lumped in with, coupled with, drunkenness. And and maybe if we think of some of those feasts that we read about in the Old Testament, uh, they would have feasts for days and days. That was gluttonous kind of activity. And, And maybe then we think about it, but we don't always associate those. But we're beginning to see how the Word of God associates and, 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 and connects gluttony to some other things, some other behaviors. The drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty, uh, the Bible says, and slumber will clothe them with rags. In Deuteronomy 21, there's a pretty tough passage there where we see how seriously gluttony was taken by God among the Israelites. Gluttony was associated in Deuteronomy 21 here and among the Israelites uh, in the Old Covenant with disobedience and drunkenness again, stubbornness and rebellion. In fact, it was taken so seriously that in their law, if a family had a son who lived in extreme consistent rebellion, would not turn around, would not change, could not be, uh, uh, you know, turned in his life, would not repent. Wild, gluttonous, excessive, rebellious living. Then by law, he could take him to the elders and there would be a decision made and he could be stoned to death. And we read that and we think, that's horrible. 
How on earth could that have been permitted? Well, that was in the law, but there's no record that that was ever exercised, that that was ever done. And it doesn't mean that someone disobeys, they didn't clean the room, or, or they talked back to you, then you could do that. That's not at all what it was. This was a long-term rebellious person, unlawful, excessive, reckless, wasteful living. But the word gluttony is used there. And so that should tell us God takes this subject seriously. And we need to understand what God means when this, we see this word in his word. So look at what Solomon writes about gluttony. He talks quite a bit about it. And in Ecclesiastes 2, look at verse 1. Solomon says, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you, meaning his heart, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself, but behold, this also was vanity. So he goes on to describe all of the gluttonous things that he did. All of the things that he, whatever his body wanted to do, he did it. Whatever he wanted to have, he took it, he got it. And he was a person of great means. And so he, he, he could have and do absolutely whatever he wanted. Nothing could be withheld from him. And so he says, I'm going to test my heart with every pleasure I want. Look at verse 10. And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. In other words, I work hard. I'm going to test my heart and give it whatever pleasure my eyes and my heart wants. And so you might ask, well, what about, yep. Well, did he do, yep. Did he try this? Yep. He said, whatever I wanted to do, I did it. Can you imagine that? That's exactly what Solomon was doing. Now, he gives us the end of the story there in verse 1, but behold, this also was vanity. But let's keep reading in verse number 11. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil that I had uh, expended in doing it, and behold, all this was vanity and a striving after the wind, whether it was good things, construction and building and expanding his kingdom or possessions or sexual pleasure or, or, or what. Ever, anything his flesh wanted, accomplishment, achievement, pleasure, it didn't matter. He said, all was vanity and a striving after the wind. There was nothing to be gained under the sun. So if anyone knows what he's talking about, it would be Solomon when it comes to gluttony because he engorged himself on anything and everything he wanted. And he could have it. Whatever he wanted. Ecclesiastes 6, 7. All the toil of man is for his mouth, yet his appetite is not satisfied. What is Solomon saying there? And what is he saying about gluttony? He's saying your flesh will never be satisfied. It will only be satisfied for a moment. But guess what? Probably later that night last week, <laughs> and I'm just joking about fellowship meals, you were hungry again, right, if we're thinking about food. If you had breakfast this morning, then you may already be hungry, but come lunchtime, you start smelling that food or thinking about food, you're going to be hungry again. 
right? The flesh is never satisfied forever. Whether that's sexual pleasure, whether that's food, whether that's drugs and alcohol, whether, whatever that is, whether that's possessions, whether that's experiences, whatever it is, your flesh will never be permanently satisfied. It will very soon want more and more and more and more. You have to constantly feed it. And that's what Solomon is telling us. The flesh always wants more. It wants excess. The flesh wants to be gluttonous. And that's its fallen nature in a fallen world. Do you see? That's the way you will be in a fallen world. You're not born that way. You don't, you're not that way from birth, but eventually all have sinned. And eventually you've been marred by sin and you've tasted the sin of this world in this fallen world. And your flesh then wants to be gluttonous in any and every way. And so that's why it's important to look at. Gluttony is about excess. You ever had a snack that you liked a lot? And so you kept eating it and eating it and eating it. What happened? I remember in college, I lived off campus with uh, some other guys. One guy, Gary, we grew up together at Shiloh, Gary Binkley. And uh, uh, just across the street and through an apartment complex from our duplex was a Walmart. And they were 24-7 at the time. And guess what they sold at that time? Chips Ahoy packages, two for four. And it took us about five minutes to walk there. And so we'd be studying at night. It didn't matter what time it was. All of a sudden, we'd be wanting, we'd start thinking about two for four, Chips Ahoy. And so we'd go over there, and, and we'd get our packs. We'd, get, we'd each get our own pack. And, and, and at that time, they made them in sleeves like Ritz crackers. So they were in these sleeves, and we had our own pack, two sleeves each. And so we would go back and we'd, we'd open them up. We'd start back to studying again. And guess what? You know how it says on the side, serving size? We never noticed that. We thought serving size was you open the package and you held it up like this and just let it shake them in and they just keep on one after another shake into your mouth. Well, by the time we get done with both sleeves, we start realizing, man, I don't feel so good. I think there's a reason why you're not supposed to eat all these at once. But guess what? It didn't take long. A few days later, we were back at it. Two for four started calling us again. It knew our phone number. And thankfully, they, went, they stopped being 24-7, and that helped us with our severe addiction of two for four chips ahoy. But have you ever had that experience where it's good for a while, and then you eat too much, and you're like, oh, no, I made a mistake. And you feel terrible? Well, Proverbs in 25.16 makes that same point. It says, if you have found honey, eat only enough for you, lest you have your fill of it and vomit it. What's he saying? Don't just keep eating all the cookies in the package. Look, the serving size of Bluebell isn't when the spoon scrapes the bottom of the carton. Quit eating all that. But the same principle would apply to anything, right? You can't just take it all in at once because gluttony is about excess. It's not just about food. It's about excess. That's what gluttony is. It's unrestraint in your body in anything. And so we have this picture now that gluttony isn't... Uh, 
just someone who piles their plate high at a fellowship meal or at Golden Corral. Instead, gluttony, according to scriptures, describes someone who is associated with uh, stubbornness and rebellion and, and, and excess and disobedience and even drunkenness and wastefulness, lack of self-control. And it covers a wide range of descriptions for a life that is unrestrained. And you may have restraint in many areas, but in that area, you have no restraint. You don't have self-control in that area. So in that area, you might be a glutton in that particular thing. Now, Paul wrote, he quotes a prophet when he's writing to Titus, a Cretan prophet, and Paul quotes him in Titus 1.12, and he says that the, the Cretans were lazy gluttons, slow bellies is what he called them. In Philippians 3.19, Paul said of some people that their end is destruction. Their God is what? Their belly. And they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. So gluttons were associated with base pursuit of pleasure. Pursuing what the flesh wants. The stomach or the belly was used to, to, as a metaphor for the whole person. And so they would say, Paul was saying that they're ruled by their belly, they're ruled by their flesh, they're ruled by their hunger for what their flesh wants. Food, whatever that might be, anything that the flesh uh, craves in this earthly life. So Paul was saying that there are some people who are enemies of the cross, and these people in the way that they lived, they were all belly. They, they're just walking around, there's one whole belly walking around. And we're not talking about your body. We're not talking about your physical body. He's talking about your, the, the, the appetite and the cravings of your flesh and the things that you chase after. That's what he's talking about. That you're living as your, as your flesh is your God. And it's telling you what to do. And whatever your God wants, that's what you give your God. And Paul's saying that's not how we're supposed to live as Christians. You're supposed to not worship what the God of your flesh wants, but the God of heaven, what he wants, and, and glorify him. That's what, how we're supposed to live. Paul warned the Roman Christians, watch out for those who cause division and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you've been taught. Avoid them. Look at this. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. So there's people, may not be food or uh, fleshly pleasures, except maybe power, influence, right? Position. That might be their appetite, that they want control. And that's the thing that they're after. That gluttonous person serves their own appetites instead of, instead of serving the Lord. And what we see in Scripture is that we've got to decide who we're going to serve. Are we going to be a glutton for the flesh or are we going to be servants of, of God? They bow down to what their body wants instead of to the will of God. So the appetite of your flesh leads you to what? Consume, 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 right? That, and we're, we're programmed that way in our culture, to consume, to want more. It's, there's never enough, no matter what it is, possessions, stuff, you never have enough. You always want and believe you need more. Food, entertainment, sex, possessions, money, working out. Can you be a glutton for working out? Yeah, that we, that's what we call a glutton for punishment, right? 
But some people, and Joyce ran track and cross country with a girl, a wonderful girl, but, but she couldn't stop working out. And she had an eating disorder. But, and that's a, that's a real thing. We're not minimizing that at all. But she couldn't stop working out nonstop. Well, you can be anything that is excess is what we're talking about here, okay? And so when it's unbalanced, when it's unhealthy, when it's to an ungodly degree, when there's no restraint, when there's no control over your body, over the appetite of your flesh. So gluttony isn't that extra piece of chicken or that extra piece of pie. That's not what it's about. It's broader and deeper, and it's about uh, what we do with our flesh and whether it's restrained or not. You see, God does give us wonderful things in this life to enjoy, doesn't he? He, this is a, there's so many wonderful, beautiful things about this planet and about being alive. And, and, and we see this in Ecclesiastes 2. Solomon writes about this. There's nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. That's a good thing. This also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or have any enjoyment? So there's a relationship between enjoying the good things of life and a relationship with God. In Ecclesiastes 5.19, everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil, this is the gift of God. There's nothing wrong with having uh, things and possessions, being able to do things. There's nothing in the world wrong with those. Is it to an excess? And that's what Solomon tested himself with. Is there restriction? Is there restraint that you have? So gluttony then is the desire, the lust of the, and craving of the flesh and of the eyes and the pride of life. That's what we see in 1 John 2, 15 through 17, isn't it? Look at verse 15. For all that is in the world, uh, verse 16, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. So those, that's what, when your God is, the, is your belly and your appetites and you hunger and thirst after those things, it's, those things come from the world and your fallen flesh and not from God. Those are not the things of God. Verse 17, and the world is passing away along with its desires. Do you see that? But whoever does the will of God abides forever. So whose will are you doing? The God of your belly or the God of heaven, the true God. So, is gluttony a sin? Gluttony is a sin because it gives too high priority over physical desires. It idolizes and craves the things of the flesh over the things of God. And that's why gluttony, this excess, this unrestraint, this lack of self-control is a sin. Christians are taught in Scripture we're supposed to live lives of restraint and virtue and self-control and self-discipline. And again, it doesn't mean you can't have fun and enjoy life. But there are the things of the flesh that we're not supposed to, or even good things when it comes to excess, working too much, right? Uh, the, for, for, for money is the root of all evil, right? Money is the root. Is that what the Bible says? No, it says for the what? The love of money. See, that's the excess. Do you see that? That's the difference. That's the gluttony. That love of it, that chasing it, pursuing it beyond a godly boundary. So Paul in 1 Corinthians 9, 27 said he took care to make sure his body was under his control because he didn't want to be disqualified after preaching to others 
He didn't want to be disqualified from heaven. Look at Galatians 5.13. Paul says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom, your liberty that you have as a Christian, as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So gluttony, we see, turns your appetite towards the flesh and away from God. Do you see that? So your thoughts and your desires become the thoughts and desires of your body instead of the thoughts and the desires of God. And Paul said that we should serve others instead of serving our flesh. And so that's, that's a powerful principle there as to what gluttony is and what to do about it. If, if I'm living in excess in a certain area, liking self-control in a certain area, what I need to do is get off of myself, get my thoughts and my desires and my focus and my time off of myself and through love start serving other people. And that will help me restrain my own self, my own desires, because now my focus is on other people and on doing the work of God. So verse 14 and ver- through 17 of Galatians 5, look at that. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's what Jesus said. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So look at verse 17. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. They are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want. Chasing the God of your belly. Not letting your flesh become your God. So we're supposed to walk after, chase after, follow after the Spirit. Look at verses 24 through 25. And those who belong to Christ, Christ Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. When did you do that? Romans 6, when you were baptized into Christ. Okay, and then you continually to do, do that daily as you live for Him, as you grow spiritually. And verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So what Paul's saying is, like Jesus taught long ago before this, we need to hunger and thirst after righteousness and the things of God instead of hungering and thirsting after the things of our flesh. Do you see that? That's what Paul's teaching us. He's teaching us the same thing Jesus taught us. So gluttony then is a fixation on what we can see and touch and consume. Because gluttony is all about the excess and unrestraint of this earthly life. And isn't that exactly what the devil wants you to be focused on? Isn't that exactly where he needs you? That's all he's got to do. He doesn't have to show up in, with his horns or however our characters are of him. He, he doesn't have to show, All he's got to do is get you to chase after in excess and unrestraint the things of the flesh. Have an area in your life that's out of control. An area in your life where you're unrestrained. An area in your life where you're, you're gluttonous in that particular area. Because in that area, your focus is not on spiritual things, but on fleshly things, and your flesh rules you. And that's all he's got to do. And he can chip away and chip away and chip away unless you're going to turn your focus and your life over to God and let him transform you. Be ye transformed, right? is the way Paul put it in Romans 12. So 
Look at 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You're not your own, for you were bought at a price, so glorify God in your body. This is written in the context, of course, of discussing what? Sexual immorality. Well, guess what? He was dis- that's essentially they were being gluttonous when it come, comes to sexuality. And so he's saying this in the context of sexual immorality, sexual, uh, your, your life, your lifestyle, your choices. But he's saying don't be a glutton when it comes to sex, sexuality, sexual uh, immorality, the pleasures of the body. And so he's saying that needs to be within godly boundaries, which is in a marriage relationship. And so the Christian has the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in them. In fact, are the temple of God or a temple of God. And we're supposed to do his work with his life as his spirit dwells in us. And remember, he bought us. How? You were bought at a price. Well, what price did you pay, God, with his price of his son's blood on the cross? That's how he bought us. And so we became a, when we became a Christian united with Christ in baptism then at that point he purchased us, redeemed us, right, from sin and eternal uh, uh, condemnation. And so then, therefore, we're supposed to live in a way that glorifies God with our bodies. So let me ask you this. Do the patterns of your life, do the patterns of your life look like you hunger and thirst after the things of God? Or would they reveal that you're gluttonous after some things? And maybe, maybe you're somewhere in between and you're working on that. But what do the patterns of your life reveal to you? Do you prioritize the things of God? Do you assemble weekly with the congregation here? Uh, more than just when you feel like it. Because if we're all honest, there's a lot of times our body doesn't feel like it, Right? Many of us this morning wouldn't be here if we just obeyed our bodies because our body, we woke up and our body said, oh, no, you don't. We ain't doing this today. I don't want to do that. But we made our body get up, no matter how it felt, to get up and get here and worship God. People will, will, will prioritize uh, assembling together later today. Prioritize assembling together Wednesday. Prioritize being involved in service and ministry of the church and coming together to worship, to study, to fellowship because they understand the value of that and God's purpose for that. Are you actively engaged in the work and service of the church? Are you spending time in study and prayer on your own? In your own life? Are you communicating with others and looking for opportunities to have spiritual conversations, inviting people to church, talking about God? The psalmist wrote in Psalm 73, 25, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. Wouldn't that be wonderful if we could say that? There's nothing else I desire but you, God. You're the only one I have. You're all I want. And that's what I want to encourage us to do. Instead of gluttonous living, what if our delight and our desire was nothing but God and his things? The things he would have for us to do and provide for us within uh, being a life of faithfulness to him. When you desire God, you want to follow his word and delight in him and live for him. And that begins by putting on Christ in baptism, becoming a child of God.
And then when you delight in God and you hunger and thirst after the things of him, then when you get off track, then you want to get right and you want to you be transformed in that area. You want to be faithful to him in every area of your life. And part of our time together and part of the value in assembling together is that we have that opportunity to pray for one another, encourage one another, and, and minister to one another, whatever our needs are. If we can serve you in any time, in any way this morning, we invite you to come forward as we stand and sing.